You're listening to Red Nation Online. Oh my goodness, he's done it again! And that is one of his very best! Sebastian Gillingcar ties it up at 2-2, and hasn't he enjoyed that one? That is absolutely outstanding from Sebastian Gillingcar. Sunday, October 22nd, it's Prospect 11's and EMB Sports' Aaron Nielsen. I'm Ian Clark. We're back from the football factory and a record-setting result in a 2-2 draw with Atlanta United. 69 points made the draw worth it, despite no love for the Atlanta hype machine. We begin by discussing the question of quantity over quality when it comes to these two sides. Run through the match, highlighting Josie Altidore with a possible team MVP season, Jovinko and another wonder set-piece goal, and give Chris Mavinga props for a comeback performance against Atlanta. We wrap up with talk of the playoffs and predictions, as it's all that and more on the next 48 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. As a, as a result like, for New York? Like, yeah. yeah, I would too. So. so here we are. Aaron, what do we call this? Stanley Park Studios. Probably the October, last nice day of the year. I was going to say October 22nd. <laughs> and f- contrast from last last weekend and probably one of the first game season, I'm in a t-shirt. There you go. Uh, in the park. It's probably the last nice day of the year. Yeah, it's going to be. Probably like that's that seems to be the case. I can't imagine we'll stay, stay like this much longer. So this podcast, the mic won't be falling over and wind blowing it all over the table. <laughs> it was windy last week. Yeah, that's what or, I mean. Or, you would have heard it yeah, probably. People yeah. are like, "What the hell's up with the quality?" I'm like, "I can't, I can't control the wind." Just yeah. like in the game, everyone's like, "What's up with the quality of this game?" And uh, <laughs> well, it was a it was a disaster from a weather standpoint. So sure. So here we are, Toronto FC two two draw with Atlanta, yeah. and I guess in a well not in a way it's a carbon copy of the home fixture against Atlanta and I have okay. to, I think the I think a lot of ways I was thinking how we could start this off but maybe what I would say was this result kind of I maybe sets up if it if the playoffs roll this way you know you probably would say this might be the best Eastern Conference final fixture or matchup uh, on the cards uh, sure sure in terms of Toronto being the best team, yeah, and Atlanta offering us because well, if you look funny, at, I think, I think first of all, I think there's a lot of Atlanta hype, right? And I think I don't disagree. We're watching that game today in a fifteen thousand seat stadium. I don't think we get the Atlanta <laughs> even even visually. I don't think we get the the uh, we we don't get riled up with the emotion of Atlanta. Second of all, and it's interesting because it's a point that you've said on many occasions about being hot at the end of the season and being that team who is ready i'm not necessarily a believer in that um but i think that's why atlanta is certainly the critics choice because of what they've been doing the past month or so right for me um i think columbus is a better team than atlanta which is that game um and i think the red bulls are personally i think the rebels can hold atlanta or outsmart atlanta It'd be simple to say that Toronto's a 25% chance of playing Atlanta, which is probably true, and I'll give them that. But I don't necessarily think Atlanta, like I would rather personally for the Eastern Final, I like I think that we have a good rivalry with New York City FC. Yep. 
And, and you know, it seems Vila's back on his game. Like, it looked like New York was falling off because Perlo's basically done. I'd be happy with that matchup because I think Toronto would be favorite in that matchup. But I think that that's the expected game to be played. Kind sure. Of thing, right? and, and to sort of start the podcast off with a bit of a, a right turn, you know, when you look and you mentioned, you know, the hype around Atlanta. And, you know, one of the things that I've sort of been biting my lip on and not bringing out to the podcast, kind of waiting for this game, was that there's been this discussion around, you know, MLS is the hype machine, you know, we say in quotes that runs around it, and the media, and the way they sort of plug specific stories, you know, I find quite obnoxious, and Atlanta is one of those, and I find it kind of annoying, you know, it's like the talk in the second half of the season is, is around Atlanta, and it's around attendance figures. Sure. And it's like, sure. hey, sure. we've made it. Yeah. And it's not it's not around. And it's like if you want to talk about you wanna if you wanna MLS insert itself into the into the conversation of as a legitimate league, you're talking about tennis figures, you're not talking about actual play on the pitch. And Toronto as a story, I think has been something where you could say, Wow, look at this team. Yeah. In in this era Well, the funny era, thing, the, yeah. Sorry in this era, in this era of MLS yeah. that's more competitive than it's ever been, you have a team emerge. Yeah. That has sort of like found a competitive, a competitive advantage in whether we want to talk about the asterisk, got the most points than anyone else. Yeah. And from our perspective, as being in Toronto, I've never seen football played like this in well, this league. Well, it's funny because, and I think you retweeted it, which is interesting, but you know, I was actually in a Twitter thing with Grant Wall, who's Mr. Twitter, you know, I guess Mr. American Soccer, who said the story of the year is Atlanta. <laughs> like that was his tweet. And I'm like, no, the story of the year is Toronto for being the best team in the league. And if Toronto goes on and wins the championship, I assume five, ten years from now, we're not going to be talking about Atlanta as an expansion team. We're going to be talking about Toronto as, you know, because some team is going to surpass Toronto as the greatest team in MLS history. And I don't think you can doubt Toronto's claim to that if they go on and win the league. And even if they don't go on to win the league, that point total is still a record that other teams are going to have to pass. So that's still the topic of conversation when we when we physically when when it happens. And the issue I have with Atlanta, you know, Atlanta almost reminds me, and, and you know, not to be condescending or critical to Toronto FC fans, but it kind of reminds me that friendly against Liverpool at Skydome, or even those two opening games against Los Angeles. I think the off-season opener where Earnshaw scored the goal, it's KC. Yeah. And and you know, you have your core twenty thousand, fifteen thousand rabid fans you have 10,000 or so soccer fans who you know watch Euro or watch stuff but will go to the big game and then you have 20,000 people are showing up because it's a big event and stuff like that and you know I think arguably if you're going to give most of the Atlanta fans uh, soccer trivia after the game <laughs> I don't think a lot of them would do quite you know strongly at it no, right? I mean, so yeah so you know again I, I understand the the, the the hype and again not for this podcast but I think you can go into this idea of, you know, because it was brought up by the Columbus owner this week of MLS 3.0 or MLS 4.0 or MLS 5.0, where we're all playing in football stadiums of 60,000 people. And that's how you succeed in MLS. It's a very, no, I wouldn't say, you know, I think it's poor to, or unfair to say it's a naive crowd, but it's a hyped up crowd. It's a hyped up event. It's a hyped up situation. And, and you know, the irony is, is I almost would like to play Atlanta because I think we can beat them. But I think their comeuppance or their reality check might come in Wednesday, right? I think yeah. Columbus could go there, win three nothing, and then it's like, oh, what was Atlanta, right? Yeah. And it's them, you know, and that's what it takes 
to be a soccer culture, to be a soccer fan, is to realize, you know, what you have to go through and, and you know, the game. First of all, it's a long slow to get through, long haul to get through the whole season and, and be competitive. And then you can lose it in 90 minutes. You can lose it in five minutes. You can lose it to VAR. You can lose it to yeah, <laughs> penalty well. kick. You can lose it. You could you could not have the team get shot in target and still lose the game, right? So there's lessons that Atlanta fans have to learn if they're going to be, you know, if Atlanta's going to be a true soccer hotbed and this true soccer and a team that we will see as a rival and a team that we will want to play in the years to come. Yeah, and I think that's that was like maybe the last little side little tidbit I was going to say about this fixture and what I think of Atlanta and when I look at the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I, Atlanta is a, it would be a fun team I think to like you said maybe kind of put in their place. Yeah. But I don't see them as I don't see that I don't see this game right yet as a rival, not even close. No. And there is definitely two and, and, there's and, two opponents and, that I would and put And we'll ahead. go into the game, but even the game itself, right? There was Points of the game, Jervinko's, you know, free kick. There's points of the game we, we basically shut up Atlanta fans, right? And arguably, you know, I think the VAR was sketchy at best. And arguably, if we had made, if we had scored, no, you know, I'm ruining the <laughs> pretense of the game. Yeah. But if we scored those opportunities, we're up to nothing in the first half. That yeah. crowd is going to be like, what the hell are we doing here on a Sunday afternoon, right? You know, I, again, I think yeah. it's sure, not, I'm at home watching you, the Falcons or something, right? Yeah, you know, I don't Let's think it's, buy. I don't know. You know, like, I think it's, like, the good thing about today's game is the game was a good game, right? And so I think it's sort of that audience and the and the the whole environment sort of played itself. Yeah. But, but again, I, I, you know, I'm not going to... I'm not going to argue or I'm not, I can't justify Atlanta being a better team than Toronto. Yeah. And I think if we like actually get into the game, as I try to do, usually is kind of build a bit, like a bit of a backstory. And there is at least, again, if we're not going to talk about a legitimate rivalry, there is a backstory between Atlanta and Toronto and especially this fixture, which is, you know, Toronto, I say for me, Mm -hmm. Atlanta was actually my first home game of the year because I missed the first two. Was it the first two or the first one? I mean, I missed Kansas City. And then Atlanta comes to town and, you know, the other like sort of side story, because I think there's player stories of the season was, of course, I mean, in that game, Chris Mavinga got tooled by quite a bit by Villa Lava, I think, if if memory serves correctly. Uh, And there's a story there. And of course, you know, Atlanta comes away 2-2. And as the season progresses, I mean, except for that Montreal game, I mean, anyone who came to, to BMO got absolutely... Manhandle, not manhandle, but I mean Toronto took care yeah, of business yeah, pretty much yeah. every game at home this season. And you, as the season progresses, as we get to this point in the season, you know I go back and say it's Atlanta was the team that showed the most against us at home. And now we're going yeah. away to them. We got to show something back. You know we come off of the game against Montreal, um, not very convincing, but you know with a lot of sort of asterisks beside it in terms of weather, players coming back, players feeling sad, things like that. And, uh, you know, I think Toronto comes out in this game and, you know, from the start, if we, if we look at that lineup, yeah. I think that's maybe the starting point. Zavaleta doesn't, doesn't get reinserted back into the starting 11. Mm. We talked about this last week on the podcast and Steve kind of uh, hinted at what that might have been. For me, I thought it was maybe Uncle Greg protecting <laughs> his, his nephew from p- potentially getting, getting burned in this game. And I think that was probably the smart thing to do just in terms of keeping a player's confidence. And, you know, having maybe a little more, like Greg said after last week's game, a more competitive midfield uh, against against Atlanta. Yeah, I think if you look at these two teams, there's certainly a midfield matchup that's in play. And I think the other thing is, is the only 
out-and-out striker you're afraid of with, and he's good, but you're afraid of with Elena is Martinez. Yeah. And so I don't think you need to put two, three guys on him because he's not athletically big. He's not athletically challenging. So I thought the, what the, the way they looked at the game, and, it, and for the most part it played out that way, is that Mavinga could handle Martinez one-on-one, which was, you know, for the most part I think was the case. And, and then you would need more midfield because Atlanta likes possession. Atlanta has exciting guys. Atlanta runs on the break. Fortunately, and it's difficult, you know, I don't know if this is the best formation and this might just be an Atlanta formation because I have slight concern that Delgado and Osario, I think they're capable of playing the roles they were asked to today, but they're not versed in those roles yet. And so I think it's a lot to ask for them to say, okay, we need you guys to be, we need you either to hold position in the midfield so that the other team doesn't get opportunities, or we need you to be the defensive midfielder and hold down your opponent, which again, I don't think neither of those guys, that's their you know, role that they were created to be, or, or that's who they're, you know, that's who they are. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if we come back to the 5-3-2. And, you know, I think the 5-3-2, you know, like if we're evaluating the team as a whole, certainly Moro has had an excellent season. And I think you could argue the combination of Hassler and Bershaw and even Raheem Edwards has had an excellent season. But you're asking a lot for those guys to be defensive fullbacks and still run that wing. And that's where the freedom of the 5-3-2 gives you because you got more defensive support. Yeah. Um, and so, and you know, I don't know. I don't know. Do, you know, it's a good point for you. But do you think, have you felt that Toronto's locked in the center mid? Like, do we need more of a presence there? Because I think that's what this formation gives you. But. Yeah. And I think, I think when you, it's just a, it's, it's a look that I think you're looking at for a different opponent. I think Mavinga and Moore are more than capable of being the two center backs. Sure. And holding that down. And I think Beta Shore and Moro more than capable of saying, hey, I don't need, we don't, we aren't. They're not just wing backs. Yeah. They're actually left back, right backs that have been asked to play more of a wing back role. Yeah. And it's take one of your own points. The good thing about that formation or the sort of the not advantage, but the potential of that that we didn't have last year was that last season when we played this four at the back, we didn't have a true number ten. Yeah. Who was yeah, wearing who's wearing number point. seven? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, you you didn't you had Bradley who who yeah. felt like he had to do everything yeah. from a from a holding mid to an attacking creative mid, yeah. and now we don't have that. We have Vasquez, who, yeah. who is that sort of, Bradley's the first link-up guy, and now he has a second link-up guy who can then link up with our, anyone in the attack yeah. or, or yeah. create it himself. So that's, yeah, and, that's and, why I think that, that formation is, is more viable than yeah. I would have said last yeah. year. And I think, I think the way Toronto sets up in this diamond formation is I think it's more of a 4-3-3, where you have uh, Vasquez behind the two forwards, but then you have a flat three with Bradley in the center in terms of the midfield, which gives the freedom for the wingers. Because, again, you don't trust Azario or Delgado to be the outright wingers to create opportunities from the width. And so you're asking Bursar and Moro to do that. So then you, you, know, you need defensive coverage. And I think that's what Azario and Delgado do. And I, you know, I think we're we're versatile. Like I think we can play both systems. And as you know, like systems are fancy because you know they're good ways of media and, and how to say the team's set up. But as the game plays on, teams move around anyway, so you never really are playing your five three. Arguably, I think if you looked at positional play for Moro and Bertishore most of the season, 
they're more midfielders anyway, right? Because they're playing so way far up, up, you know. Yeah. So and especially games that we dominate in, right? So, you know, again, I think the formation is whatever, but I think I think that versatility is good. And yeah. I, and I think maybe maybe you, you concentrate on the the strengths of your opponent and play systems to that you think will cause them the most trouble, right? Because we have that amount of capability of adapting. Sure. And if we if we now maybe break into some of the minutes, some of the plays at hand. Um, you know, that was the, obviously the first thing was, of course, the, the formation and, and yeah. the players at hand that I think I wanted to make note of. The the other thing off the literally off the opening off the opening whistle was again if we want to talk about the support in Atlanta, booing Bradley and Josie. It was signs in hand and banners yeah. in hand and biggest tifos. Losers. Right. Biggest losers. The biggest losers. And yeah. I'm like, geez, harsh, harsh. Well, fair. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, fair like, to some extent, but I'm like, really, yeah. Atlanta? Like, I didn't know. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't yeah. know that they would have that mattered them so much and they sure. they booed them relentlessly through the game and I thought it was funny that Caldwell I, I wasn't sure what Caldwell's point was I mean because I don't follow England very closely I mean do, do the England national team players when they're playing club well Beckham game? Beckham was almost ostracized when, yeah. when, when they when he got the red card against Argentina and came back and Ronaldo when he got the penalty or whatever against England and well, I like Caldwell I think for the most part he says a lot of very smart things when he does announcing I think there is a way too much propping up MLS in the in the general announcers box. <laughs> Other than Twelman, Twelman's my boy, but everybody else is like, we gotta hype up you know MLS as much as possible. And I think what he was trying to refer is to say, oh, this, these are intelligent fans. You know, they're knowing how to sure what's going on. What's going on? You know, they're aware of U.S. and the national team. You know, and so they're. A development of the league, a progression of the league that we're familiar with. Although at the same time they're doing olays on the first four passes of the game. So, well, that so was the other thing. Remember, say, remember, it was the first Atlanta had their first break of the game and yeah. they were going wild. Yeah, well, and no, I was like, they're doing olays. There's like, a guy. <laughs> the guy has the ball on the wing and he's like. 40 yards yeah. out and you're getting like super excited about sure, this play sure. and it's like what 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 are you guys sure. on about anyways sure. so no no again i think it's you know i you know i i think if we were american we'd certainly be upset by not making the world cup especially losing to trinidad and i think there would be some anger there and i think it'll be interesting because i do think it is almost as i said i think they love those stories right but it is almost a beckham-esque story where Altador and bradley have to put away the other irony with Atlanta, rather than the goalie, I don't think they have any national team players. So it's like, who are you talking, right? But at the same time, I think that will be the storyline, right? Can, you know, that will certainly be the storyline if they win it. Redemption, you know, like they were able to deal with the demons of not making the World Cup by winning the MLS, even though they were on pace to win the MLS championship anyway, right? And if, so, I mean, if we want to talk about this first half, I mean, my my sort of in, my in, not my instincts, the optics, my thoughts, the I, way that I, I saw this first. Half. Well, yeah, that's what I'm getting to. Is that I mean, that's the first half. If I put it in a nutshell, yeah. you know, I felt like Toronto had obviously the more clear cut chances and legitimate chances on goal. This is in the yeah. overall kind of in the game, except for obviously the second goal for Atlanta. Yeah, I felt like Toronto showed better possession, yeah. had more real creative and exciting chances on goal and of yeah. course the first one I'm thinking of was Josie's chance on goal that was just set up beautifully and yeah. Toronto had a couple of those through the game where it was like the interplay was great we saw the flicks and tricks 
um, coming back that we're, we didn't see last weekend because if we want to say the weather or sort of that sort of yeah, yeah. that break that they had, they looked like it was a little bit more getting to be in sync. Although some of them didn't happen, but it, it looked like it was getting there. You know, Josie had that great chance where it's like shit. If he had maybe slotted the low, mm-hmm. different story. But Guzan, hats off, Guzan. Yeah, yeah. Pro- I think saved the point for Atlanta in this game. If we go to the chance, I think it was, what do we look at, the 30th minute? Yeah. Where the play occurs, I don't know if I want to link it to the second half yet, if you know where I'm going with this, was that, so there's oh, okay. a, you know, so, there, so the well, yeah, it's yeah. like, it's, the, yeah. this is. Well, I generally, not to disrupt you, but I generally hate VAR because, well, the instinct of the game, but so far VAR, now in this case, it did produce a goal. But for the most part, it gives red cards and removes goals. Like, it, it changes the complexity of the game. Now, you know, I think legitimately this was could have been given a handball because it was circumstantial or whatever. But reality is, is you know, and it opens up the, cons- the, you know, the issue that you have where if you're going to call it on one thing, you might as well view everything. Right, and so if I get to, I mean, if I get yeah. to this play, for me, yeah. I mean, this would have been a good time to use VAR if it was a blatant handball. Yeah. That the first official had missed. Sure. Like let's say he something now, blocked I his view. think I think he saw the handball and wanted to justify it by going to VAR because he didn't want to call it. But again, when it's usually handball, it's usually the f- initial cross that you're because that means that the defender is using his hand to block the ball. In this case, you know, Moore was jumping up with his hand in the air and then the header like it was circumstantial. There was no intention to block the ball with your hand, right? right? And so, you know, where a referee without VAR and with with a referee's discretion, he can evaluate that and say, hey, you know, it's a, something just happened. You know, we can ignore it and, and stuff like that. And then you could debate that afterwards. Yeah. But now that it's now it's cook, you know, it's it's black and white. You're just opening up a whole mess of situation because a lot of things happen in the game which are circumstantial that you can call, you know, it's like any sport, right? right? In hockey, they say you can call a penalty on, you know, every second of the game because people are holding and hit, hitting well, each and other. The, and, the, and, then to get and, you to, know, in soccer, you could probably do the same thing with a foul, right? And to tie that up is that, okay, that's, you know, for me, it's like, hey, if it wasn't so obvious when the play actually happened for you to call a handball, yeah. right? Part, I mean, it's like, okay, I understand he has the rules of the game. Yeah. Fuck, give me, like, you yeah. know, it's the same thing where it's like, I can think of a few years ago against KC, Daniel Henry got called for a penalty. Yeah, and it was, a, was there with you. you know, he was in the top left, the top corner of the box. The guy kicked the ball to no one. And he, and he did like a pivot, you know, he did um, where he, he stood his ground and the guy bumped into him. Okay, uh, like those are plays where I'm like, come on. And it's like, okay, yes, I understand. Well, it's by, interesting. By the book, it's, yeah. a, it's a penalty. It's interesting. It's interesting because I think, like this is the irony, right? Because when football was created, it didn't have VAR in mind, right? And so the penalty box is as big as it is because there's stuff happening there and the referee has options to do a lot of things. Now, yeah, as I said, now, especially with the right, you know, I'm more upset in terms of VAR with red cards than I am with with uh, penalties and, 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 and disallowed goals. But yeah, I think it's just, you know, like we, we're gonna have to change the whole structure of the game yeah. to anticipate VAR because VAR is just disrupting what we thought the game should be, right? right. And, and and again, you know, my line to this when we were watching the game is you play rec soccer. And if a play like that happened where it wasn't blatant, it was accidental and all that kind of stuff, you hope, you know, for the most part, you say, okay, just continue. And everybody knows if once you start calling fouls, once you start being heavy handed early on, it changes the, every game because then you expect that return 
on every single play. Yeah. Right? Like and, if you gave that, then I deserve this. And if you deserve that, then I deserve this. And it never ends. Right? And that's my, and this is my point is that on a play like that, where even with the header went off, it, I, it, I think everyone agreed that wasn't a goal. Yeah. Right? Well, well, the funny thing is Alana never even disputed it. Right. So, like, then, like, so yeah. then on the flip side in the second half is you yeah. have Josie Play, yeah. on, on a break. Lorenowitz pulls him down in the box. Yeah. And the and the referee just like yeah. I mean it was it well, was so even obvious there was contact. Like, even, it was so even obvious the it was contact. one because again I think it was more a dive than a penalty, right? But Javinko went down in the box and, sure. and nothing happened. Realistically, if you're going to VAR, you should look at that, give him a penalty, or give Javinko a yellow card for diving in the box. Yeah. Like it opens up the 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 idea of what you can visually you know video judge yeah you know to to the nth degree because every part of the game something now again it's always if those things happen outside the box you know the interest or, or the care is not as much but yeah as i said i just think it's i think var is going to eventually disappear because i think I, I think if one of these things happen in the world cup i think there's going to be more of a backlash against it and i just don't think people are going to say we don't understand it yet yeah we gotta develop this we gotta look into it and we i think my my initial instinct for it was like you know i can think of was it england against germany right where there was a clear goal hey i'm irish so yeah okay <laughs> but you know what i mean that's what i'm like oh yeah that makes sense but then on a day like today where it's like he, he calls he pulls it out for this play yeah. but he won't for an the irony the irony one. is for the europa they had the two guys standing on either side of the post and I don't think there's been a disrupted <laughs> situation yeah. since that happened. And as I said, if the guy, like if the guy, you know, if it was a, a needling referee and the referee called as a handball and then you saw the replay afterwards, you could say, okay, this guy is going to call everything, but at least he saw it, right? But as I said, I think the camera just opens up the bait for every single similar situation that happens later on in the game and yeah. stuff like that. So, I mean, that obviously led to a PK that Assad. Yeah. Strokes in yeah. Atlanta up one nil. I you know I think we're all feeling shit. This is this could be one of those games where it's like they they get the break and Toronto comes back. I mean Toronto almost had another great uh, after that play was the yeah. one where it was I think it was Delgado to Osorio who knocks it on to Jovinko who just it just didn't seem to lay down yeah. right for him and he stroked it right and Duguzan makes another great save. But I, I mean on the on the flip side. And I think they said this as a second half kicked off. You know, they're just like, you know, this is a very experienced Toronto FC team. And I think we've seen going back to last season that they're fully capable of coming back into games. Sure, sure. Uh, especially with a full half left. And we've seen them level things out and and stay in games in a 1-0, and especially on the road. That's the other thing that I was thinking of. Of course, you know, the Toronto's, Toronto has sort of been... This team has been much in the last two seasons have been really good away from home. Mm. So you can't really discount them or count them out mm. down one nil at the half. Sure. And that, of course, that's what unfolded. If we look at the second half, uh, we look at the first goal from Toronto, which wasn't wasn't far into it. And it, the way that the play kind of unfolded was that you know we see uh, Atlanta get the ball and Moore does a great job. I think around the half, dispossessing yeah. Parkhurst. And I th- to me, it looked like Parker just went down kind of cynically, hoping to get the call, which is what I love it when players do that, and then they get scored on because it just makes them look like babies. And, of course, the ball goes over the top to Josie, and, of course, if this is a little sort of a little sidebar segue that I'll tee up for you, I feel like Josie's had this goal before where it's, he's had that battle 1v1, mm. and the keeper hasn't been sure what to do. He wins the battle, pokes it in, and scores the tying goal and it's like 
uh, Josie Alcador has has had yeah. finally not to say I don't want to say it like finally. Well, you should say you should say uh, Javinko drinking the beer because they didn't show the replay. Well, that, yeah, that yeah. The- <laughs> for the for anyone who may, maybe didn't catch it, okay, that's yeah, fair. That, that Josie case because Josie and, and Michael Bradley getting booed all yeah. game. And Josie scores good. a goal. He goes over and puts his ear up. Someone throws a beer at him, and Jovinko comes in behind, <laughs> picks up the the drink and drinks it and throws it out and like wow and from the what was it the Montreal game where he did the crying oh, yeah, right yeah, he does the cry baby because yeah. they did a thing for him and it's just like ah oh, Joe Vinko kind of give that guy more props than I tend to you know he has his moments where he's a little over dramatic on the pitch but then he yeah. does stuff like that and I'm like yeah. well done yeah, yeah. well no, done no, no, clever no. little guy he is but yeah no we were Josie Altidore you yeah, were, yeah we were talking prior to the game and I was just saying it's a difficult situation because there's certainly a lot of talk of it, but it's a difficult situation because I think most of the Toronto players have been good, and it's been the collective unit that is the reason why they've been so successful. But if I was going to give my player of the team or, or even MVP con- considerations for the league, I think Eltador is, is the player. You know, Justin Morrow, because of what he has done as a defender, you know, scoring so many goals and things like that, you could justify his, his reason. But to me, and I've always thought this, Eltador has had criticism in the past. Yeah. But it was to me, it was, it wasn't a criticism like you're, you know, you're, you suck, you're never going to be good, get away. It's like, hey man, if you can, you know, it's almost like the Bradley criticism, right? If you just do what you can do, you're going to be a dominant player in this league. You're going to be a great player in this league. And and the thing is, is is that, you know, if Altidore was on any other MLS team. He would be the sort of target man in the center. There would be far more balls coming into him. You know, he would be, you know, heading balls in and a whole bunch of this thing. And so he's had to adapt to the system that Toronto FC's played. And and for many games this year, and including today's game, he's almost taken the pressure off Jovinko. And it's not a case of Jovinko needing to set up every, and part of Vasquez is part of this, but it's not his situation where he needs to set up everybody like today is a great example because you know you know certainly Javinko's goal second goal was almost a an example of what he's done this year but I think that situation he's not the target the whole the whole game right yeah. and, and I think we even said this last year in the playoffs because or we you know we had that game where Javinko's or I mean Eltador scored the free kick goal you know again I I have more trust in Eltador in the crunch, and, and we saw it even in the final because that's when Frey had the amazing save than any player on this team, right? Like, I think Altidore's the guy who can change a game, who can get you that goal when you need that goal. And and so, you know, I think he's very valuable, but I think he's shown some of that you know, valuableness, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this year. So. Well, I think, and I think that goal that he scored is what you want and hope from him in terms of like a physical center forward yeah. right like i mean yeah. that was a goal that's like hey that's that's what we wanted or we thought or expected when we brought you in was that you were gonna like boss out a center back and win those battles and and knock it in and that was like for well, me yeah, for I me thought, that was exciting i thought like i think if you're judging center forwards in this league i think martinez is another name you put up near the top and he's another name in contention for mvp but martinez scores the goals you expect him to score Altador has a bigger repertoire, a, a repertoire uh, of scoring opportunity. Yeah. Where Martinez is that slot guy in, in the box, who can, which we saw. And it's a good segue to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to the next goal. Yeah. But, you know, and he's good at that. But, you know, I think Altador ha- brings more and, and can do more, right? And I think, you know, and I think that shows. After this goal came the, the one where I, th- I thought we should have reviewed it. 
guarded for for penalty against Josie. 63rd minute, yeah. 69th minute. Josie has another chance. Yeah, the game and, really opened up. Yeah, and then and then the 73rd. I can't I, you know I can't really say anything negative about that goal. I mean it was it was beautiful. Yeah. I mean it went yeah. out wide to Villalaba, yeah. who strokes it in perfectly, and and um, Martinez just and then the the fun the not the funny thing, but you know we talked about. Mavinga earlier, it wasn't, you know, it was Moore who was marking mm, him. Mm. That Not that that, I'm not try, really trying yeah, to allude yeah, to anything, yeah. but I'm yeah. saying that, like, you know, I feel like Mavinga played this game with something to prove, yeah. and Moore... And, th- and those who are countering me in terms of my disrespect for Atlanta, I think that's what they are capable of doing, right? And so I, I don't think a game against Atlanta in the future is going to be an easy game. I just think that that's their thing, right? And, and you know, they, they run on the break very well. They hold possession very well. And they're tricky in the box because their guys are not your atypical type of players, right? Like, in, in a lot of cases, the thing which did put Toronto under pressure was, like, corner kicks. They would kick the ball to 20 yards out opposed to throwing it into the box. Yep. And those were the only plays that Toronto was sort of struggling with. But when it was mano-a-mano or one-on-one, Toronto was just, you know, stop. <laughs> yeah. Toronto was just, you know, Mavinga certainly against Martinez one on one. A lot of times Martinez would just have to run to the corner or run or run out of bounds because Mavinga was just stopping him. Like yeah. So then Atlanta's up two to one at that point. Yeah. Um, and the game's looking a little bit like where are we going to find our chance? Where is Toronto going to get it? And then in the 83rd minute, you know, Toronto gets the foul in that sweet spot. Yeah. And we're already. <laughs> I'm already kind of saying like, oh, here we go. Yeah. This is, and then, you know, this is the spot. This yeah. is the spot. And it's crazy how, you know, I don't want, I don't want to, I don't know how I'm trying to frame this, but I mean, it's almost like you watch a keeper set up for a Jovinko free kick. And I, I mean, I'm sitting there being like, he's too far right. Just yeah, well, yeah, the, I said, yeah, I said top left. Right, we, and we yeah. said, we said we could see yeah. the way Guzan was setting up. I'm like laughing. I'm like, you, if you don't, if you aren't in the middle of the goal, Jovinko will will find either side. Yeah. It looks to be that way. I think of Philadelphia, right? The Philadelphia yeah. game, he did that beautifully. That was a big one. Now, I'm, wonder, then, I'm wondering if, for example, if he's looking for that particular shot and the ball hits off him and then goes into a rebound, does Toronto score automatically? Like, I'm wondering if there's a thing where, you know, I'm able to be beaten only by this shot and everything else I'll be fine with. We don't want where, I don't think we're discrediting Dravinko's brilliance. But like, again, you know, it, you know, when I was looking at it, cause I first saw the corner and then it was almost like a, a, a FIFA thing, right? Where you can do something where you don't really physically have to do it, but yeah. that's where you want the, the ball to go, right? Yeah, but yeah. only, only, you know, 1% or, you know, 0.001% of the world are capable of doing that. So I'm almost saying to, you know, control the box, you have to look for both sides. Like, yeah, you don't, yeah, you don't yeah. want to be embarrassed, right? Like, Javinko passes it off and he get, the guy gets an empty net or a yeah, rebound. Yeah. So I think that's, your, as a goalie, that's where you're supposed to cover. Yeah, but it to, is. to Javinko's credit, you know, he's capable of scoring those. Like, again, it's funny because it's one of those things where we're certainly not surprised. I'm almost afraid that it's going to almost become expected. Like we're like, oh yeah, we're going to we're going to score there, and that's that's the game. And, well, I mean, that, and that's how we were talking when he was saying, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We're, but we're, I mean, I guess I guess to give not to give to give Jovinko more maybe more credit because I mm-hmm. mean, 
Guzan pretty much probably set up where it was like, this is the only goal yeah. that could have been scored yeah, against that's me. That's my point, yeah, yeah. And, he, and it would have had to tip in off the top of the, the crossbar. Yeah. And that's exactly yeah. what Jovinko set up. And I mean, you know, I, I'm not to go into another section about how, how great Jovinko is, but it's, it's still, you know, one of those, it's almost like, hey, if you do a little TIFO or a two-stick against Jovinko, you, oh, you know what okay, I mean? Because yeah, they had yeah. one saying, Al- what was it, Alvaron is better than Jovinko. Oh, okay, okay. If you go okay, do that, yeah, then yeah. he will score that game. Because yeah. Montreal yeah. did that, right? They had the crybaby thing. Um, and that made me feel good. Yeah. That would well, make me, and that in me... my head, you know, if you take away DeVargo, Toronto would have won this game 2-1. Eltador scored the first goal. Jovinko scored the second goal on a free kick. I thought Moro played well. I thought Vasquez played well. So to me, this was almost atypical Toronto, how I see Toronto this year, yeah. right? And at no point, you know, like I know you were talking with Andre last week about, you know, are these games important? Do these games matter? And reality, it didn't really matter if we lost, you know, nothing would have happened there. But, and maybe there's almost, you know, I'm going to get your PTSD, but maybe there's almost too comfort, but this is what I expect from Toronto, right? Sure. And so today, as the game was going on, we were down one nothing. we're saying, or we're down 2-1. You know, next week, or if we are playing Atlanta, or in the final we're playing Atlanta, would you be happy being like losing two one one nothing at home and then coming back and beating them? And you know, there is a certain comfort, right? And I don't know. Hopefully, that's not arrogance, but I think there is a certain comfort with Toronto. And I just think we're a better team. You know, I've said this from the beginning of the year, but I think we're just a better team than most of the opponents, right? Like yeah. you know, like I think if we lose, it's going to be, you know knock on wood but I think it's going to be some crazy circumstance you know kind of we're gonna you know I don't think we're calls will go against us or something like I'm not you know it's soccer right it's one game you know it's weird to playoffs are goofy in soccer anyway but again I thought that tonight's game gave me confidence yeah right because it showed us who we are you could argue Atlanta's a good competition against us and our dominant players were able to be dominant Right. And so, you know, I think that that's an MLS. I think that's the first thing that you hope for. Sure. Right. And, and and to be honest with you, I think that that is what Atlanta has going for them. Right. Because we said Guzan was good in net. You know, Martinez was good as up front. Almiron, when he came on, created situation. Yeah. So if you look, probably if you identify every good team in MLS, if the guys are, you know, I know Vio scored a couple of goals today. If those guys are on cue, then then it's just, in, you know, the soccer gods <laughs> to show sure, you sure. where things are going to go, right? Yeah, and if uh, maybe if I, the last outro was, of course, the, I think the only other real play worth noting was, of course, as you mentioned, that um, odd, like, set piece that Atlanta had that pinballed all around the box. Yeah. That yeah. should have been the winner. I guess, and yeah. and the predicted score that Steve had last weekend of a three-two, yeah. and we were kind of thinking, yeah, it could be three-two. <laughs> but wow, what a play where it was like shit. You know, Bono makes a great save, and Bradley keeps it out, and then Boswell, yeah, yeah, yeah. old man yeah. Boswell yeah. tries to knock it in, and Bradley knocks it out, and we're like, shit, that that saved our bacon. Uh, and then Toronto, of course, finishes the game two-two, and sets the record. Yeah. Most points yeah. in the yeah. modern, what do you want to call it, the modern era? Is there an asterisk? I mean, we were uh, we were kind of discussing and debating, and I've seen it through the week in terms of, okay, LA in 98 had 32 games on their season. However, the season, that you know, that season had shootouts. Yeah. So, I mean, my my state of mind was that it's it's kind of, all, like, it's 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 a maybe marginally, like, I think just think if you had a season where your your outcome of your results were determined through that method, and of course yeah. these ones. So I'm like, I don't, I don't think, I don't think of factors. I think Toronto. Now, now, I, I have a question for you. Sure. Pre Defoe, or when oh. Defoe first came in, okay. did you ever think this would happen? Is this was this your 
envision for TFC? Did you like, is, is this surreal or is this, you know, deserved? Like this is where we were headed. This is, you know, this is what we. So I think, I do think this is, I do think this is deserved to be honest with you. Mm. Now when, when in 20, yeah, for, uh, for, 2014, 14, yeah, 14. right. So in 2014, no, because okay. I didn't, I didn't believe in the the signings. I didn't think Gilberto was the guy. Okay. I didn't think Defoe was the guy. Bradley, I was sort of lukewarm. It was in 2015 when Jovinko came on that mm. I sort of thought to myself, okay, these are. And of course, the way that he performed. Yeah. yeah. Now I, I think, uh, I think Andre and I both sort of said the MLS Cup last year. Like if I had to, if I had to envision the story, it would have been 2015. They looked good. 2016, they made the playoff and had a deep run. And 2017, oh, they got well, to the yeah, final yeah, okay, and okay. won it. Okay, yeah. But, so that means that, yes, this is a season I, I, I would have envisioned, looking mm. back on 2015, okay. that we would have been a top team in the league. Yeah. And, and you know, it's sort of, I also thought of in terms of like, yeah, we signed Jovinko, and that gives you time to start building around Jovinko, Josie, and Michael. Sure, sure. And it, sure. it has happened that way, yeah, right? Like, yeah. we filled in the, like, I mean, in hats, we've both been big critics of this club and organization yeah. and you have to give credit to well, I think them to for me, making good signings and post evaluating this and I, I had a recent article where i sort of mentioned this at the beginning of the article i think it's toronto has been very good at the guys they're bringing in fitting fitting in and and doing what they're supposed to do and i would say that if we were talking to a gm from another mls club they would say our goal is to do the exact same. We thought we we're going to bring this guy in, and he was going to be a different maker. We thought we we're going to bring this guy in, and he was going to work well with this guy, so on and so forth. And it just hasn't happened, right? And so I, you know, again, I think it's a credit to the team. You know, as I said, I think it's it's guys like Javinko, guys like Bradley, guys like Altador. You know, they were very motivated this whole year, and so you know, it was just a steamroll effect, and and to get to where we're going now. And you know, and again, you do see that in other sports. You know, you certainly see that in. NBA with Cleveland and Golden State and it's like we deserve to be in the final we deserve retribution for that loss last year and get the hell of our way <laughs> yeah and, if, and I, I think one of the last maybe talking points I'll put out there too is you know you talk about the players and you talk about how the season rolled and, and if I'm maybe tying some of the Stardust podcast off you know I thought Chris Mavinga had a great game and yeah. that's you know that's one of the players I think that at, to your last point that really fit in well and especially considering when he started you know, I think when he when we signed Vasquez and Mavinga, I don't uh, I don't want to I don't think I'm eating crow. I think it's nothing's wrong with being critical and questioning specific signings. And you know there was questions being like, yeah. is, is Vasquez the guy and is Mavinga the guy? Yeah. And you know looking at their track record and seeing how they fit in. And for Mavinga to come, you know this, that game against Atlanta and just look so out of sorts yeah. and come back and have a steady season and not even just have a steady season. I thought this game. He re definitely redeemed himself from that first Atlanta game. I mean, he was, and he played, I mean, there was the, yeah. we noted it in the second half. He got the yellow card against Villalava. And I said, fuck, man, he remembers, he remembers that game yeah. against, you know, he marked that game down and yeah. he marked this game down yeah. that he was going to play to a certain degree. And there was games where, there was plays where Atlanta had a step on him yeah. and he tracked that back and closed that out and, yeah. and just was, just got stuck in and stuck in. And, uh, you know, I just want to, you know, from that first game where we kind of, you know, I was, I did say, you know, what a terrible game. I just want to maybe, a small tip of the hat to say, yeah, he played an outstanding game this afternoon. Well, I think, I think and, and certainly in the case of Mavinga, I think, you know, because he's on Twitter and all this kind of stuff, I think they're enjoying playing in Toronto. And I think in the case of Mavinga for future scouting in the MLS, 
in Mavinga's case, when he was in Russia and he was in France, he never really had much say in how he played. You know, he was playing the position. He was certainly, you know, in, in those teams, he was a left back. And I think because he's been given more freedom and, and more part of the team and part of like, this is where I'm going to excel. First, he has, to, you know, he's living up to that pressure he's put onto himself, but he's enjoying the game. And, and, you know, I think that's one of the things with Toronto this year. It seems to me that most of the guy or all the guys are very much enjoying the game. Right. And so um, I wonder if that is a, is a scouting and recruiting strategy, because Vasquez also apparently was not having a good time. Yeah, in, in yeah, yeah, Mexico, no, true, Mavinga true. was not. Like, I know, I know, like, like I kind of know the guy. Like, they have a European scout with TFC, and I, I met him before. You know, he's also uh, the, the the French, the Polish defender with Toronto. Oh, Parquet, 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 right? Okay, then he so. gets no credit. <laughs> In my eyes, so you know it is He's a coin flipper, uh, and and the guy who was who's the 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 Moroccan or you know oh yeah yeah right so but he has a freedom of choice right like this is a guy who's from Europe you know knows a lot of players has a lot of contacts so and as I said that's a lot of what MLS teams are doing is they're bringing guys in you know seeing if they work out and then sending them off and in a lot of cases if we were another team. Montreal or San Jose or something like that, we'd be having the opposite. Like, where the hell do they find these guys? You know, couldn't they find better? So, you know, and, and again, again, I think it's credit to everybody that they were able to achieve it. Yeah, so if we just, maybe the last point of this podcast, Aaron, I think we'll just throw it there because we kind of touched on it, is, is this Eastern Conference playoff picture. So it looks like it's going to be Chicago, New York, Atlanta hosting Columbus. Yeah, and then we want to relegate Columbus of the league. <laughs> We've talked if I was going to talk about this. I don't know if I have time, I don't have <laughs> okay, time to go okay. on this. We'll you know what? We'll I'll just we'll post uh, let me Let me just say this. Okay. <laughs> and I'm all for what everyone's talking about, but I am I am 99% sure whatever it was, like six, seven, eight years ago, a lot of these people who are being like, save Columbus, whatever, <laughs> were the first ones being like, Columbus and Dallas, they got no fans. They should be relocated. I'm positive that people were saying that shit. And now all of a sudden it's like this whole fucking supporter unity (laughs) shit, which I, I, I've, I just would say, I never said move Columbus. So I'm just like in the middle, I'm just neutral on the whole situation. But I just think as someone to kind of maybe just stir the pot a little bit here, I just think it's a little bit interesting that not that long ago, people would have been saying move this club because no one goes. And now they're like, save this club. Yeah. 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 Anyways. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> uh, oh, so anyways, the playoff picture. Do, so do we think, what do we think of Atlanta, Columbus, and then Chicago, New York? You've kind of hinted at uh, that. I, well, realistically, I think it's 20, I think it's, most of those games are even, right? I think, I think the Red Bulls scare me because they are the Red Bulls, right? Like, I don't think a lot has changed from the team that was actually decent last year. And so I think they can turn it on. Chicago has talent, but I don't think they're, you know, I think they're using your example of Toronto last year, where I think they're ahead of their time and, you know, need to consolidate to get better. The fact that the game's in Atlanta, I probably give Atlanta as favorite, just because because of the atmosphere and everything like that, which would then, <laughs> which... Oh, so, how would that roll yeah, out? So, so who, did, who did you just pick? New York. So then we play New York. Okay. Because New okay. York's the lowest seed. Okay. So yeah. then we would play that, and then New York City would end up playing Atlanta. Yeah. Which is... Yeah. That, that is four great match. Like those are four. That's f- all those teams. Yeah, yeah. Personal choice. I would like Chicago to beat New York because I think the game and Toronto's chances are better against Chicago and again, or in that case, against Atlanta. Yeah. 
right? I, I think think the teams that scare me the most are the teams that know how to play in the playoffs and the teams that know Toronto very well. Yeah. And the, those two teams to me, because since Toronto's rise, these teams have been part of the rise as well, and that has been Columbus and the Red Bulls, right? And so those are the two teams that scare me. The, it's like Montreal last year, right? Montreal yeah. wasn't expected to be our opponent, yeah. but because they kind of, you know, knew how to handle situations and, and got get games when they need to win, yeah. they were able to do that. So, and I could say, I could, I could picture Columbus delivering that kind of matchup. Yeah, it'd be, it would ask a lot from Columbus because they would have to beat Atlanta and Atlanta. And then there would be a very interesting game of Columbus in, you know, Columbus's oh, yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. last game in Columbus <laughs> yeah. against Toronto, which might see a large Toronto contention going down to that game. Yeah. Um, and then the game, and then the return game. I haven't, and it's not, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a weird a line, but I haven't gained, I haven't developed hate for Atlanta. And not because I don't like them, but because I just don't care much about them. Yeah. Where, where Columbus always scares me, you know, Huguin and... Yeah. And Merriam and, you know, a lot of those guys. And now is on that team. So there's a lot of guys there that are just like, things could happen, right? Yeah. So. so we covered a lot of ground, Aaron. Yes. You and I could always talk forever, but I think I, I think <laughs> we should shut it down. It's getting around 50 minutes on the podcast. Oh, okay. So we'll leave it at that. My wife's got dinner ready, so. There you go. I got to get, get home in, in a few minutes. So everyone knows they can catch you at uh, Prospect 11 at ENB Sports. Yep. And uh, you've done... There was a TFC2 article that came out on r yep. and then you've got a couple of uh, League One Ontario ones in the can that will be coming out this week. Yep. Uh, any other excitement to look for? Uh, you got a lot of stuff cooking in the background. But I yeah, yeah. I, well, better. again, I think I think it's fair, and I think I'll try to do the same, that we concentrate on TFC playoffs once the TFC playoffs start. And yeah. then certainly once the season is over, um, my attentions go elsewhere, <laughs> and, sure. and I think you know. I think that's fair, right? I think that we should then look at the game as a whole. Uh, hopefully, you know, Campiel is a real thing and, and happening sooner than later. Yeah. And and I think those are very exciting stories. And but you know, I think at the same time, I think Toronto's playoff run is the number one story, and I think that should be our concentration for as long as that lasts. Agreed. And we'll be uh, we'll be there for all those games. And everyone knows you can get me at Clark RNO info or have your say at rednationonline.ca. Uh, reach out to us uh, any of those ways or at Red Nation Online. We'll be here for throughout the playoffs. Uh, I don't see on my schedule missing any of those games, but we'll keep you posted on that. So I guess we're looking at next weekend would be the first uh, away game. So. We'll look for that and see what the next fixture is. Um, and of course, you know, we, as we round this out, uh, lovely night in Stanley Park Studios, Tromsey 2-2, draw with Atlanta, finish off a, an outstanding regular season. Can't complain about that. And we're looking forward to the playoffs. So Aaron, thanks a lot. No problem. For coming on the podcast. Guys, thanks a lot for listening. And we'll catch you next time in the 2017 MLS want you to get involved reach out to us on twitter at red nation online or by email at info or have your say at rednationonline.ca get in touch with us let us know how you thought the team did agree disagree it doesn't matter also check out our other podcasts on red nation online from the black hole ours is the fury and our interview series thanks for listening and we'll catch you guys next time